Good morning. I am Pastor Andy. As Pastor Bob said earlier, I have the, the wonderful task of bringing you God's words today, and I'm excited. I'm excited that, um, as a church, that you trust me enough, because if you live with me, it may be a little questionable sometimes. But um, today, you just saw the video. We're talking uh, about fear, and um, if you're like me, you have some very real fears. For example, um, I check my zipper several times before I come on the stage. <laughs> it's a problem, okay? It has to be addressed because, well, it's proper. Some of you may have some of those fears, too, like a mouse or moth or... I, I don't know. Butterflies is one that I heard this week that's weird. They're so beautiful. If you're afraid of butterflies, I'm sorry, um, but you're just weird. But um, I cannot remember in my life a time where collectively in the United States we have lived in fear. I can remember um, crisis over in Africa with with food not being enough, and with the AIDS, and with Ebola not too long ago. I can remember civil wars in other countries, but I never in my life, and in the recent past of our nation, have we had to live in fear. If you extend back, you know, there's World War II, and then there's the Spanish flu and World War One, and you go back farther, I think the the greatest fear our country would have lived through um, would have been the Civil War, brother against brother. But now we are facing this new fear. It's one that uh, we can't see, and it's a, this deadly disease, and it is drastically changing our lives in every aspect. We can't go to the grocery store without planning. It, we just have taken that for granted. You can't go to the park without thinking, are there going to be other kids there? Um, when's the last time you shook a hand and in your head you weren't thinking, where's the sanitizer? <laughs> or if you're a grandparent, when's the last time that you really felt the embrace of your grandchild? Every aspect of our lives has been drastically changed. And it has this fear is taking a grip on us collectively, not only here in the United States, but around the globe. And there are some people that um, this fear drives them to do things, to prepare for facing their fears. So let's watch this little video right here. I call myself a prepper and I'm proud. Go! Cause preppers are a fascinating crowd. Yeah. And if you look at ratings these days, there seems to be a dude that preppers crave. Survival prepping is a lifestyle not a phase. We're serious about the end of days. Go, let's go. Storing tons of food underground. No, who wants a groundhog? Turn my house into a bulletproof compound. Shooting preppers, farming preppers, city preppers, country preppers Wouldn't you like to be a prepper too? I'm a prepper, he's a prepper, she's a prepper Are you a prepper? You should watch Doomsday Preppers too Doomsday Preppers on Nat Geo Doomsday Preppers on Nat Geo Tuesday nights only on 
Doomsday Preppers. I'll admit, uh, <laughs> I watched several little mini episodes of that TV show, uh, <laughs> and it was a rabbit trail. I just went down, and there's some very unique people, but um, there is a wide variety of scenarios that people's fear is driving them to prepare for. Um, some of them is like the zombie apocalypse. That one I just found comical. Uh, I did find some some footage of that television series where there were people that were prepping for a worldwide pandemic. And that was from 2012. That one just kind of struck a chord. I hope that family is doing really well. And then there's a whole other group of people, and they are preparing for an, an invasion by a domestic or a foreign power. And these people, they are creating uh, stockpiles of, of weapons, of bullets, of food, of water. And they're creating for themselves uh, like underground bunkers. And some of them are really impressive. They have escape hatches and tunnels and secret uh, garages with bug out gear and vehicles. And, and it got me to thinking... What would I need to do to prep? And so I went down that rabbit trail and I found this. I can buy enough food with 4,320 servings, but it only cost me, you know, $7,700. Or maybe if I didn't want to spend that much money, there's this one. It's only one year supply and that costs a whole lot less. It's only $3,000. But with all the food, I was thinking, I need a place to store it. So I started searching for a bunker, and I found this. It's a missile storage shipping container. I didn't even know they existed, but you can buy one. It's only $6,500 on eBay. Um, But for myself, I have a family, so I think I would need a little more space than that. So I found this guy. This is the Atlas It's massive compared to the other one. And for only $50,000, it says that I can wait out in comfort. I don't know. That one has a a subfloor where all of your food for, I think it was two or three years, could go under. And so, you know, just wait it out. It'll be good. But all of this stuff comes uh, because of fear. And it's a fear that drives us to kind of overcome and figure out. And we have to learn that the fears that we have, they cause in us some uneasy feelings. Some feelings of insecurity, insecurity that make us feel unsafe. And then we address the, these questions that are the, the what-ifs. So then we do stuff like, stash food and weapons. Um, Not all of the people on that show um, stockpiled weapons. They just saw it as frivolous and they was just going to run out. So they learned how to use nature as a weapon. Okay, that's cool. But um, all this, this stuff that they were doing, it was so that they could feel secure, so they could have a little peace of mind that they were prepared for 
the unknown, for the what-ifs that may come, and they would have a little control in their lives. Now, I want to make myself very clear right here that preparing, even prepping to a massive grand scale for the unknown, is not a bad thing. The preppers, as they call themselves, they're not bad people. They are just simply preparing. And that is scriptural. Paul, the author of today's passage, passages of scripture, he instructs us to believe as non-believers to be prepared for the future as well. So let's take a look at this passage. I don't think, friends, that I need to deal with the question of when all this is going to happen. You know as well as I that the day of the Master's coming cannot be posted on your calendars. Why would he want to call ahead and make an appointment any more than a burglar would? About the time everyone's walking around complacently congratulating each other, we've sure got it made, now we can take it easy. Suddenly, everything will fall apart. It's going to come as suddenly and as inescapably as birth pangs to a pregnant woman. But friends, you are not in the dark. So how could you be taken off guard by any of this? You are sons of light and daughters of day. We live under wide open skies and know where we stand. So let's not sleepwalk through life like those others. Let's keep our eyes open and be smart. People sleep at night and they get drunk at night. But not us. Since we're creatures of the day, let's act like it. Let's walk out into the daylight sober, dressed up in faith. Love and the hope of salvation. God didn't set us up for an angry rejection, but for a salvation by our master, Jesus Christ. He died for us, a death that triggered life. Whether we are awake with the living or asleep with the dead, we are alive with him. So speak encouraging words to one another. Build up hope so you'll all be together in this. No one left out, no one left behind. Knowing you are already doing this, just keep on doing it. And this pa- if this passage sounds familiar, it's because it's the exact same passage that Pastor Bob brought to us last week. But this week we're picking up on a different message that Paul is giving us. Paul is telling us to be prepared Not a physical, get your bug out gear, keep the gas in the car with a full tank. Nothing like that. It's a spiritual readiness. While fear is real, and we all know this, God has given us several tools to help us overcome this fear and face the future with confidence and with a peace of mind and heart. Paul writes to us that we know Jesus will come back. No, it's not on our calendars. There's no date or or time that is known or will be known by man. But Jesus is coming back. And Paul also tells us that just as a burglar comes when we least expect it, so will Jesus. 
he goes on to tell us that we are children of light and day. He's not referring to us sleeping with the lights on, but he's referring to a, a spiritual light and day. He's telling us and reminding us here that we are God's children, that we are his beloved creation, and that we should live like it. Paul, he writes a lot of good stuff here. And he goes on in the middle of this and says that we need to be dressed up in faith, love, and salvation. And that kind of confused me because I get dressed and I don't be like, oh yeah, I got my love on, I'm wearing my salvation today, I got my hope shoes. That just didn't make sense. But Paul, in a different letter to the church at Ephesus, he expanded on this to give us further advice on how we can prepare. So let's take a look at that one. This comes from Ephesians 6, and that about wraps it up. God is strong, and he wants you strong. So take everything the Master has set for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. Be prepared. You are up against far more than you can handle. You've probably heard someone say, you can handle it. God won't give you too much than you can bear. I would say that's not what the Bible teaches us. It says right here, you can't do this on your own. But Paul doesn't end there. He goes on and says, take all the help you can get. Every weapon that God has issued so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be the one on your feet. So stand firm. Put the belt of truth around your waist. Put the armor of godliness on your chest. Wear on your feet what will prepare you to tell the good news of peace. Also, pick up the shield of faith, and with it you can put out all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Put on the helmet of salvation and take the sword of the Holy Spirit. The sword is God's word. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters and keep your eyes open. I'm going to stop there. This passage of scripture is commonly referred to as the armor of God. And here Paul is telling us to be prepared and list different pieces of armor for us to wear. But before that, he tells us why we need this. We need to be prepared. We need to use the tools and the armor that God is providing because we are in a battle to the death against the author of fear. We are in a battle against the devil. And Scripture tells us that our lives are being fought over daily. And we need to enlist and join in this battle. And just like when I was in the Navy... I need, and was preparing to go to war, God has given us the necessary equipment and armor 
for us to fight this battle. There's several pieces of armor that God goes, or Paul lists. The first was the belt of truth. This gives us the ability to be honest with our words and actions in all situations. He says we need to put on the armor of godliness, or other people have called it the breastplate of righteousness. This is the ability for us to be right and blameless before God. That means that God is with us. We can be with God. He is beside us and above us and below us and behind us, fighting for us. And without this righteousness, we are sinful and we cannot be with God. This piece of armor is essential for our preparation It is us choosing to do the right thing, the godly thing, even if it's as if we're swimming upstream against a mighty torrent of water. But Paul goes on further helping us prepare ourselves by saying we need to wear on our feet what will prepare you to tell the good news of peace. This means that you have not only heard God's word, you, you don't just know about it, but you're preparing yourselves for a defense that will either save your eternal life or create a weakness that will cause defeat. I said before I was in the Navy and, and they prepared me to go to war and I was in two different uh, theaters. One was on the ship and while I was on the ship, I had a specific uniform that I had with me at almost all times. And I had uh, my overalls covered, my top and my bottom. I had a web belt, and on that web belt I had um, a first aid kit and a canteen. I had my steel-toed boots, and I had a steel helmet. You see, part of preparing sailors for war is in boot camp. You have to navigate a ship that has been hit by a torpedo. And so there's live wires hanging and water is coming up around your ankles and you have to navigate out to safety. And they were preparing us by giving us the necessary armor and tools to make it out. The other uniform I got was when I was in the Middle East and it was my desert fatigues. I had my blouse and my pants. I had my web belt and it had a whole different set of tools in it with my first aid kit. I had an extra camelback that I would wear. I had my helmet. I was given my weapon. I was also given a different pair of boots. Because you see, the Navy, they understand that if we're given a task, we need to be prepared with everything, including how we dress, to overcome whatever may happen, those what-ifs. And in either situation on the ship preparing for uh, a sinking ship that had been hit by a torpedo or going out into the desert, I cannot imagine facing either one of those without my boots. The ship is made of steel and it was crumbled and crinkled and just walking. I was hitting my knees and my legs and my shins and my feet. I can't imagine navigating the 
passageways without those. And I can't imagine going to the desert without those boots. They were supposed to keep my feet cool, but it was just, the sand was 150 degrees, and without my boots, I wouldn't even make it outside. I can't fight against the devil without my spiritual boots. We cannot fight without being grounded in God's word. Paul goes on to tell us to be prepared by carrying a shield, the shield of faith. And the shield is our faith that Jesus is who he says he is. That God is who he says he is. It's a faith that God is a promise keeper. It's a faith that believes that God will never abandon us. It's a faith that says, I am God's son and he is my father. And as my father, he will do absolutely everything to protect us to carry us, to get us through. This shield, it's not meant to protect us from our earthly struggles, the lies that are said about us, the, the physical hurt and pain that we suffer through. It's a shield that is meant to protect us from Satan's attacks. And to complete our preparation, Paul tells us about a helmet of salvation And that we need to carry a sword of the Spirit. The helmet, it represents, just like it says, salvation. It represents us making the choice to say to God, I have done many wrong things. I have sinned. It is us confessing that Jesus is God's Son. It is us saying, I'm sorry. And repenting for those things that we have done wrong. This piece of armor that Paul was telling us about, and this is the same piece of armor that Paul was writing about in the first passage. You know, we need to get dressed with our faith, hope, and salvation. We wear it on our heads, it's highly visible. And with this helmet, we are claiming the victory that Jesus has already won. The loser just hasn't admitted defeat yet. And when we make this preparation, we are saying that I am God's son. I am God's daughter. He is my father. And the last thing that Paul said that we need to have is the sword of the Spirit, which is God's word, the Bible. Now, how can we carry this with us all the time? There are many places around the globe where God's word, however true it is, has been banned and made illegal. I'm reminded of a time when my brother was young, and he went on a missions trip to one of those countries, and he took an extremely, extremely large suitcase— And only a few articles of clothing. While he was there, he may have given away some of this banned material. And to his surprise, the people that would receive it would take it and rip out pages. It's not that they were trying to destroy this. 
Rather, they were making it last to go around for many people. They would tear out pages, and they would pass it around, and other people would tear out pages, and they would read and digest their few pages, and then they would pass around and trade. They never had the whole book. They never had the entirety of God's word to us, but only a little at a time. How, how is it in, in places like that, they can carry God's word? Well, it's because it's not talking about a physical Bible in your, in your hand or on your phone, because I have like 50 of those, so I should be good. That's not it at all. It means that we need to hide God's word in our heart. You know, the boots are our grounding in God's word, that we need to read it. We need to understand what it's saying But carrying the sword of the Spirit with you is the hiding of it in your heart, the memorization of Scripture, so that when those arrows are flung at you, the lies are told about you, you do not retaliate with hatred and anger, but rather you can regurgitate what God has said to you. So how can we we carry this when we go to school or work, on the internet or shopping? It's because we hide it internally so we will always have it we will be able to discern the difference between right and wrong and just and unjust and truth and untruth you see god loves us so much that he not only sent us his son jesus to be our sacrifice we sang the song about that this beautiful song that creates a magnificent picture of what jesus did And that alone was enough for us. But God went above and beyond. And he said, I love you so much that I'm going to give you this armor. I'm going to give you these tools to help you. Yeah, fear is real. Sometimes it causes us to do irrational things like scream at shadows and run away. It causes us to prepare physically, and that's okay. But there is a battle waging right now for you, for your soul. And Paul tells us Jesus will come back like a thief in the night. And he reminds us that we are children of the light, that we are God's children. And we need to be prepared for when Jesus does return. So if you are maybe feeling unprepared, you feel like you can't put on this armor, the the helmet or the breastplate or the boots or the belt. Maybe you feel like you can only wear part of the armor that God wants for us. Maybe you don't feel like you just can carry a shield and the sword. Maybe you feel that way. Sometimes I feel that way. But God has given us and is continually giving us everything we need to be prepared. And if you feel uncertain, if you feel unprepared for what the future may happen, may bring, 
And many of us feel this way. In just a moment, we're going to sing another song. And I want you to think. Just take a moment right now and just ask God, am I prepared? And God will answer you. But if you feel like you can't don all of the armor that God has for you, or you are just inadequately armored, I just want you to raise your hand just as a statement to God that, you know, God, I need you. I need more of you. There's sin in my life. I've done things wrong that I want you to take from me. Or maybe you just, you just want God to move in even more into your life. If you fit into any of those categories, just raise your hand. And I want you to know that God hears you. And God is drawing closer to you. God's done all of the hard work for you to be prepared. He sent his son. He offered his son as a sacrifice for you. For you to be able to face tomorrow with confidence and with peace and without fear. All you have to do is accept him. Acknowledge him as God, as Savior, as your Father. Heavenly Father, you are amazing. The things that you have done so that we can wear a breastplate and a helmet and a belt and boots and carry a shield and a sword— is imaginable. The sacrifice that you made, that you said, I love my son so much, but I love my creation so much. I give my son up. God, I know there are people here that have physical fears of being sick, of cancer, of jobs, of relationships. And God, you are a God that knows our hearts and our minds. And just by the simple raising of a hand, you know what we are saying. We thank you, God, for what you've done for us and what you're going to continue to do for us. We love you, Father, and we thank you. Amen. Would you stand with me?